Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Habakkuk is different from some of the other prophets. The other prophets, they, they write and they say, this is what the Lord says. And, and they'll, they'll say, or they'll see some kind of a vision and they'll record the vision that they've seen. But Habakkuk, he comes to God and he asks a question. He asks, why is there so much iniquity? Why is there so much injustice? Why is there so much evil in the world? And God gives him an answer. We're going to look at the, the, the first 11 verses of Habakkuk this morning. To see, God's, to see Habakkuk's question and the answer that God gives him. Let's look at uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. And justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. That was Habakkuk's question. Now we're coming to the answer from the Lord. Look among the nations and see... Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards. More fierce than evening wolves, their horsemen press proudly on, their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour, they, they all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand, at kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then... They sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own God, whose own might is their God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we, we believe that you have spoken out your word, that it is, it is all your word. And Lord, we pray that, uh, Lord, we would hear from you this morning. Lord, we would hear from Jesus speaking these words, the same Spirit, Lord, that inspired these words is the Spirit of Jesus. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would hear His voice. Father, be with me. Lord, help me. um, Weak, frail, sinful. Lord, help me to be bold be confident to proclaim your word in Jesus' name. 
Amen. We need to maybe step back a little bit and see where Habakkuk fits in the biblical storyline. Um, we don't need to go all the way back to the very beginning, Adam and Eve, but let's, let's go back to the time of David. And you know, David was the great king over Israel and Judah, this united kingdom of God's people. And he was a good king. He's, in fact, he was the king that all the other kings of Israel's history were measured up against. And God promised David something. Towards the end of his life, David wanted to build a temple for God. He wanted to build a house. And God told David, you will not build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. And by that he meant a dynasty. He said, there will be a son that will come and he will sit on your throne and he will sit on your throne forever. Now Solomon came and he, he, he was a descendant of David who sat on David's throne, but it didn't last forever, did it? There was only one who could fulfill this prophecy that, that God gave to David, and that was Jesus. Jesus was the one who was a descendant of David, who reigns even now on his throne. But in the Old Testament, we see this unfolding. After David came Solomon. Solomon was a wise man. He was the wisest of all the kings that had ever lived, and yet he even was sinful, and he took many foreign wives, and he had influence from the foreign nations, and they went after other gods. And after Solomon, there was Rehoboam, and he was just foolish. Rehoboam, Rehoboam was foolish, and he listened to the counsel of others, and it split the kingdom in two, so that you had Israel in the north, and Judah in the south, and it was only Judah that had the son of David sitting on the throne. You had Rehoboam ruling in the south, and you have this line of kings coming down. They were David's son, and they were looking for someone who would be this son of David, who would sit on David's throne forever. Well, there were some good kings... Some that measured up, that were, were good, but most of the kings were bad. Most of the kings were wicked and they led the people astray. You come down to Hezekiah's time, and during Hezekiah's time, Hezekiah was good, but God was about to, to let him die. He was sick. He was, he was coming to the end and, and Hezekiah prayed, Lord, give me some more years and has God heard his prayer. He gave him more years that he could live, but he also gave him a son during those years named Manasseh. Manasseh was the most evil, most wicked king that came upon the, in the line of, of David, in the line of uh, Judah. Let me back up just a little bit. Because of God's people, Israel and Judah, because of their wickedness, because of their sin, God was going to punish His people. And first, around the year 721 B.C., you have the Assyrians come and they 
destroy Israel, the northern kingdom. They disperse them throughout the land. But you still have Judah. Judah was the one that the the seed was found in. The the son of David. The one who was a a son of David sitting on the throne that was still... and, And there was still hope. They were looking for still a Messiah who would come. And after Hezekiah, he was the king of Judah during the time of the destruction, came his son Manasseh, and he was evil and he was wicked. How could an evil and wicked man sit on the throne of David? We're looking for a Messiah, and it was just this evil, wicked man. And then Manasseh's son was made king, and it only lasted three months. He was only king for about three months. And then came, uh, I'm sorry, I messed up the story. After Manasseh came his son, he was also evil, but after him was Josiah. Josiah, you've heard maybe about Josiah. Josiah was made king when he was only eight years old. And Josiah was a good king. He kind of measured up to the kind of king that David would have been. And they were looking at him thinking, you know, this is the kind of king that we need to deliver us from our enemies. And at that time, the Babylonians were beginning to stir. And the Babylonians, they were going about to come in and destroy Assyria, the ones who had, who had destroyed Israel before. And Egypt, Egypt down in the south, they were going to come and they were going to fight with the Assyrians against the Babylonians. But Josiah, this person who had actually restored temple worship, they, he had found a copy of the law and had, had it read before the people. He was going to come out and fight against the Pharaoh from Egypt to keep him from coming up and fighting with the Assyrians against the Babylonians. And when Josiah went out to fight, this good king, this, this king that measured up, he was, he was a good king, he was killed in battle. And then what happens? His son, Jehoiahaz, became king in his place. And he was wicked and he lasted three months. He died three months into his reign. And then his older brother, Eliakim, became king. And Necho, the pharaoh in, Ro- in Egypt, made him just a puppet. He was just a puppet of Egypt. And he renamed him, he called him Jehoiakim. A lot of history involved here. But I think it's important to see where we're at here. Now, Jehoiakim not only was a puppet, but he was a, a tyrant. He would, it was said that he would spill the blood of the innocent. And here we have, during probably around this time, Habakkuk coming on the scene, and he asks God, How long, O Lord, will I cry for help? The, the people of Israel, the people of Judah, are sitting here with a wicked king, a king who would spill innocent blood. And Habakkuk cries out, How long, O Lord, will I cry for help? And you will not hear. You can hear the anguish in his voice. God, I'm, I'm praying, I'm crying out, I need your help. And yet, he says, and you will not 
here. How often maybe have we felt like that when we pray out to God? Pray, I need your help about this matter or that matter. Maybe a family issue, maybe a disease, maybe who knows what it might apply to you. But we pray it out to God, praying, God, I need your help. And yet, it feels like we have no answer. That was what Habakkuk was praying. He cries out, violence! The king who was supposed to be a messiah... Yet he was being a wicked king, a tyrant. And Habakkuk cries out, violence, violence. He says, God will not save. Habakkuk then says, why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you make, why do you look idly at wrong? Habakkuk is asking the question, if you are good, God, if you are good, if you are going to keep your promises, why do I have to sit here all day long and see all this wickedness, all this iniquity? We can resonate with this now. As we look out on our culture, as we look out at the way things are in our world, maybe as we look out at the way things are in our own community. We see injustice. We see the righteous suffer. And we see the wicked prosper. And we wonder, where, why doesn't God do something about this? Why doesn't God come in and bring about justice? Verse 4, Habakkuk says, The law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, and so justice goes forth perverted. When Josiah was king, as I said, they were looking around in the temple when they were repairing it, and they found a copy of the law, probably Deuteronomy. And in the book of Deuteronomy, you have God giving His law to His people, and then He gives blessings and curses that follow. And He says, if you obey My law, there will be blessings. But if you disobey My law, There will be curses that will be put upon God's people. And one of those curses was an exile that would be ripped out of the land and would be given to someone else. So Habakkuk there says, is the law paralyzed? The law promised, this is what God is going to do if you disobey me. Habakkuk sees his people have disobeyed, they have been wicked, they have a wicked king. Isn't God going to do something about it? He said in His Word He was going to do something about it. Why doesn't He do something about it? And then the Lord answers. He says, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. His answer, just hold on. Justice is coming. And you're not going to believe how it comes. He says, For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. How is God going to bring about 
justice? How is God going to bring about the punishment of His good, of His people who have been wicked, who have betrayed His law? He is raising up the Chaldeans, this wicked nation. He is taking these evil people, these evil nation, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and He's going to send them to punish His own people. God was in control there. God is the one who sent the Chaldeans. It wasn't just a circumstance that God says, well, the Chaldeans are coming and I'm going to use it. No, He says, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Then He says in verse 7, they are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. They had their own standard of justice, their own standard of of goodness. They weren't going to listen to the standard of God, but they they made their own standard, whatever whatever they desired. Isn't it how the world is today? Whatever is right in our own eyes, we want to do. Verse 8, their horses are swifter than leopards. They're more fierce than evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. Like they fly like eagles, like eagles swift to devour. It just sounds scary to think of this army with all these, these fierce horses just coming to destroy. Verse 9, they all come for violence. Their faces forward, they gather captives like sand. They gather captives like sand. Think about that. When Abraham you know, is, is told how many children he's going to have, God tells him to look up at the stars and says, can you count them? You can't count them. You're not going to be able to count all your children. And the sand is, is similar. You know, we, we think of, of, God's, uh, of Abraham's children will be like the sands of the sea. We'll hear... They gather captives like sand. There's just so many captives that the Babylonians are taking as they come in and they march in. You can't even count them all. It is a swift destruction. Verse 10, At kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress for they pile up earth and take it. They're not concerned about kings. They're not concerned about Jehoiakim or any other. They just laugh at that. They just roll right over. It's, it's, it's like it's nothing. And, a, and a, a siege, a fortress with a city. What does it say they do? How do they defeat a city? They just pile up dust. And what they would do whenever they have this fortress with a big wall around the city, they would just... They just take dirt and they would just build up a big pile to where there was a ramp along and they would just overpower the city that way. It was nothing. When they would come upon a, a fortress, all they would do is just pile up dust until they were able to overtake it. And then finally, verse 11, then they sweep on like the wind and go on, guilty men whose own might is their God. The Babylonians, though God was using them, God raised them up to punish His people. They were wicked men. Their own might was their God. They were boastful. They were proud. 
But yet God used them to punish His people. Now, the question that Habakkuk was asking was how could God continue to let injustice go? How could God continue to allow violence in the street, the wicked to prosper? How could God allow this to continue to go on? The answer is basically, it's in God's timing. It may look like He was unjust by passing over it for a short time, but God's judgment was certain and it was coming. And as I think about that text, I think about the one that Amy read from this morning. From Romans chapter 3. God's justice was on trial. God's justice was on trial before Habakkuk. He's asking, how can you be a good, just God and allow all this to happen? And Paul talks about the justice of God, the righteousness of God being vindicated. Let's look at those verses again. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21 says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But here's 25. Whom God put forth as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The answer to the problem of evil. Habakkuk had this question, why does a good God allow evil to persist? The answer to the problem of evil It was answered on the cross. God was a forgiving God. He was a patient God. He allowed sin in the world to persist throughout all of the Old Testament times. He allows it even now to persist in our world today and even in our own hearts. But how can a good God allow all this injustice? It was on the cross. That's how. That's how. If God did not deal with sin, He would be unjust. But God has dealt with our sin. And He will deal with all sin one day. There is a certain judgment coming. Like Habakkuk said, you wouldn't believe it if I told you how bad it's going to be. There is a certain judgment coming. There is a hell that is eternal that will look that will be fire forever burning with no relief for those who do not repent. But God can pass over our sins right now. 
He passes over our sins. He doesn't just sweep them over the, under the rug. But He dealt with them definitively on the cross of Jesus Christ. As He poured out His wrath on Jesus as a propitiation. That word means it's a satisfi- a sati- it is a sacrifice that satisfies God's wrath. God was an angry, wrathful God against our sin. But Jesus took our place and satisfied God's wrath. What I see in Habakkuk, how long... Oh Lord, do you put up with this injustice, this unrighteousness? We can ask that about ourselves. How can you put up with my unrighteousness, my sin, my continuing to keep going wayward? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It was only because of the cross. It was only because He satisfied God's justice in our place as our substitute. If God were to wipe out all evil that was in existence today, in one second, He would have to wipe out me. But He took it on Himself on the cross. And He will carry it out on all those who do not find refuge in the cross one day. God is just. And He is, the ju- he is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We shall flee to Him. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.